This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken for Eats Meets West. Oh, yeah. Hey, I done learned so many lessons. God be testing, but he blessed me. Can't be stuck in my ways. Gotta find a way, no time to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many lessons, God be testing, but he bless me, can't be stuck in my ways. Gotta find a way, no time to play. Mama ain't raised no fool, but she followed the Alright, welcome back to a Saturday morning edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I really love recording podcasts on Saturday mornings. Like I've had my coffee, I've had a great morning of reading what I need to read, watching what I need to watch. Shout out to the G1 Climax, day seven. I'm not uh, all the way caught up, but watch what I need to there. Um, poor Zach Sabre Jr. Um, but either way, it's it's a great morning to talk about professional wrestling. And Connor Casey is here of comicbook.com. Have not talked to Connor in a few months now. Connor, you're a busy guy. Hey, man, just been running around a lot, but thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here on a Saturday morning. Have you potted on a Saturday morning in your life? I uh, know. I I have to say this is a first. How do you feel so far? Did you so, are are you awake? You got your coffee. Are you are you okay with uh, putting out uh, intelligent thoughts early on a Saturday? Oh, I I would be fine if not for the fact that the hedge trimmers decided to come out here at uh, at seven right mm. outside my apartment. Okay, which was a lovely way to wake up. But other than that, I'm just fine. Okay, the hedge trimmers should be a jobber tag team name. In the WWE at some point, right? That'd be a good um, one. Headbangers, head trimmers. We could do. I'm, I'm sure it was pitched at some point in the 80s. Mm. Who would be the most likely to get a hedge trimmer nickname? I guess it'd be like the Viking. Like, what's worse, the the Viking Raiders or the hedge trimmers? If we renamed them to the hedge trimmers, at least the Viking Raiders make sense. So, mm. yeah. given that, I guess. Um, well, we have a, a a multitude of wrestling stuff I want to touch on this morning, and. Um, something I wanted to kind of ask you is I've, um, I've listened to some people talk about this a little bit, but I'm still back and forth. I'm not really strong in one way or the other in terms of the AEW name. So we got the first promo. We know it's going to be on Wednesday nights. We know 
a lot more about what's going on there, but there was no name. Mm-hmm. And I was curious to, uh, for you because like someone said, like it could just be like NBA and TNT. We're like, AEW on TNT, is that enough? Do they actually have to name it? What if they just called it AEW on TNT? And at first, I was like, "Ah, I don't know. Wrestling shows just need a name. But I mean, also, one of the things that drives me nuts about Impact is it's just called Impact Wrestling. And um, there's no actual, like, TNA in front of it anymore or Global Force. It's just weird that it's just a a wrestling show name uh, company. Um, But Ring of Honor doesn't name their shows. I, I think... I could see both sides, but where do you stand on whether or not AEW needs a name? I'm in the camp of it does need a name. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people aren't, but I don't know. I just prefer that the televised show have a name and the company be named something else. I, I just think it's a it's a classic who's on first. Oh, I'm watching AEW. Wait, the company or the show? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, the show. And you go, okay. Now, I, I on the on that same note, I get why they didn't announce the name of the show right away. Do you think they actually because, know what it is, or it's because they just don't know at this point? I think it's I think it's a combination of it's either the copyright hasn't come through yet, or they just want to keep the drip feed of news coming out between now and all out. Mm. And this is one of the ways they can do that was mm. to not announce everything at once. Do you think that's a smart strategy, though? I think it's fair. I mean, okay. this this wasn't. I mean, we got the announcement on you know YouTube and social media, but they were announcing it at a you know a TV critics panel. So they're trying to keep the message as simple as possible. Now, yeah. because because you got to remember that this this isn't just a, a wrestling promotion. They've also got to deal with you know television people and you know the business side of things. So they've got to keep that in mind whenever they make these big announcements. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with them. Not, not giving it all away at once. It's probably going to be called Wednesday night dynamite. That's do you like that? It's fine. It's fine. Wednesday night dynamite. Yeah. Like Monday night, like Monday night raw makes any sense. We just say it so many times that we don't think about it. Right. So we're like, Oh, it's war spelled backwards. Ooh, like I mean, it, it is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, wrestling wrestling has always had goofy names. That's true. Shotgun um, Saturdays, like the yeah, hell. The best one of all time, Velocity. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Love Velocity. The amount yeah. of Velocity I've watched in my life is very, very embarrassing. That I could recite uh, some Juventud Guerrera moments on Velocity. <laughs> it's uh, a little, little concerning. Um, yeah, I think. They're gonna. So if if you if you had to put um, a percentage on whether or not they are gonna pull out a name, what would you say? Is it like eighty percent likely that they're gonna do Wednesday Night Dynamite, or do you think there is a pretty distinct possibility they actually just don't do a name and they just do AEW on? TV? No, no, no. They they said that the name was coming. Oh, did they? I oh, yeah. This. this was uh, Cody confirmed this in interviews after. The promo, um, the, the initial promo. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't see this. Okay. Um. Hmm. Okay. So hundred um, <laughs> percent. That's uh. Yeah. I mean, unless Cody can't get the copyright, like uh, we already know what's going on there with some of the stuff. What if like WWE just got like 
uh, they had like inside sources into what they wanted to do with their names and Vince was just like go get that copyright and they just had a copyright war where he just kept copywriting all the stuff that they wanted to do that'd be fun mm-hmm. and there's only so far you can get with that but yeah now nah, they'll they will allow them to make get their name there so. you go um Another thing that came out, and this has been one of those things where it depends on who you trust in reporting, in that either WWE is now seriously considering putting NXT on FS1 to compete with AEW, but then there are other reports of like, that's always been kind of the plan since they moved to Fox, was like, this was something that had nothing to do with AEW, this was something that Fox wanted anyway, because it's more content, more programming, more stuff to put on their their network and fill that ufc gap and stuff like that um do you think it's a good idea to put nxt on fs1 i know putting it for two hours is a bad idea that i don't like that at all if you're gonna go down that road i would just do um and if they want more programming this is an easy fix just give them a post show with hbk like some sort of panel like talking smack and stuff like that that's hour two and that's what I would do with SmackDown. If you're one, if SmackDown's going to be a three-hour show, which I think is probably going to happen anyway, I'd turn that second, I mean that third hour, into Talking Smack. Like Raw would be exponentially better if the last hour of Raw was just like Talking Raw, Raw Talk, whatever they called it. Like we would, nobody would really complain. Then you could just tap out at ten o'clock and be like, "All right, I'm good, thanks." Um, yeah. And everybody wouldn't enjoy it um, a lot more. And you still have the programming, and I don't think the ratings would be that different. Do you? Like that third hour, what Raw is getting anyway, if they just dropped it and turned it into Raw Talk, I don't think it would drop that much in ratings at all. No, I, I don't I don't think it would. But So a couple things. As far as SmackDown goes, you're probably not going to see it extend to three hours because when you're on network television, you have up until a certain point and then you have to hit network news. And hmm. that's not going to get overrun by anything. So yeah, SmackDown's only going to go as far as that. I mean, they could just move it up to like seven o'clock. Yeah, but they, they're. You also got to remember this is network television, mm-hmm. so it's not like they can just drop stuff for the drop of a hat. True. So mm-hmm. I think it's gonna. I think I mean the the Fox people have said this is gonna be two hours. I think if it moves to three hours, it's after they've moved it off of Fox and onto FS1. Now, as far as NXT goes, that is I. I you know, you, you have had multiple reports, and I think I think multiple things can be true. I think the plan was always for Fox to try and get more shows onto their networks after all the money they're paying for this. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to want to try and bring NXT into their into into their group at some point. Now, the report that came out this week, which I would believe uh, first broke by uh, Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful, good guy. Um, he said that. Uh, NXT was going to move to one of the Fox networks, but it was going to get placed at wherever AEW put their show. Mm. So while supposedly the plan was for it to move to FS1 or wherever, at some point they were waiting for AEW to be like, okay, we are picking Wednesday nights. And they go, oh, perfect. We'll just move. We'll keep NXT the same night it is and have it run up against it. Yeah, I, um, as far as it going to two hours, I don't like it. I, I like that NXT is an hour and that you don't see every star on the roster every week. Yep. Because it makes it more important when you do. Mm-hmm. Now, 
moving it to television, I also have issue with that just from a standpoint of this is still the developmental brand. It's hard to realize that at times because the talent you get on the show and the quality of the show doesn't make it feel like a development. It makes it feel like, hey, this is uh, this is the best show. Mm-hmm. And it uh, is. NXT is it, the best wrestling show in the world. Consistently, every week, it is the best weekly wrestling show. I don't, I don't think people will argue that. The problem is, is that you still, you know, every couple of weeks, you'll have a guy making his, or gal making their NXT debut mm-hmm. on the show. Now, if you're someone like an Adam Cole, who's been on television for eight to ten years prior to this, that's fine. But if you're Baba Tunde, who doesn't have any wrestling experience on television and gets thrown out mm-hmm. onto TV. Now, he's been on TV a couple times, just a random example. If you throw them out on TV and it's their first time, it's not like it's the network where, hey, you know, audience isn't that big. Stakes aren't that high. You can make some mistakes. That's why we're here for you to iron that stuff out. Now you're putting it on television to where you're really throwing them into the fire straight out of the gate. And I don't know that that kind of goes against the idea that it is the developmental brand. Cause instead of starting them in the minor leagues, it, it just feels like the major leagues already. Well, and, the one thing that might help in that regard is, and I don't know what the reporting is on this front. It would, it still be taped. Would they still keep that or would it be live television? Because you want to shield some of these greener guys and gals if it's pre-taped, it doesn't really matter if it's on network television, right? Like if See, you're that's what... on the network and you're watching the pre-taped version, it doesn't matter if it's on FS1 or whatever, if they're still doing the pre-taped stuff and being able to fix certain things after the fact and do those month long or those four tapings back to back to back to back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the thing is, I don't go live. The... That's a problem. The thing is, we don't know yeah. if it will go live and they may look at it as, AEW is going live, so we have to also. Which is stupid. Well, because it's, like the this is this is how the competition is because works. it's not live. Like NXT would be a significantly worse product live. It just would. Maybe I, I don't because, think like, you have I don't think planning. people like NXT because it's not live. They like it because the stories make sense and the rest. That's part better. of not being live. It's harder to make the stories make sense week to week when it's a live show. Because you have Vince I'm coming not... in every week, like ah, I don't want to do that anymore. I changed my mind. Like well, it, he it, came in at four o'clock or whatever it was and rewrote the scripts. Like that's what you're going to have. If you make NXT a live show on, I don't, one. I don't think that's necessarily true because Vince isn't the one, you know, he, he, o- he oversees the direct, he oversees like the general direction of, okay, we're pushing this guy. We're not pushing this guy, but you know, in the trenches, that's triple H. Like Vince is not backstage a gorilla for the NXT tapings. Right, and but he I think wouldn't if he moved be, to a live show on FS1, it's a TV product at that point, I think he will be involved. I doubt, because they would still film it out of Full Sail, probably. Maybe. And he's do not, he's not They're touring? I, do we know that? He, they, well, if they do every television taping at Full Sail, it would mm-hmm. make sense for them to, if they suddenly went live, they're like, okay, we need, we need a hub every week. It doesn't make sense for us to be touring, because mm-hmm. the PC's right over here. So, I don't know. I, I, don't, I could. I, it's I'm all. Not sure. It's all, dude. It's all speculation at this point. Oh, we absolutely. Do, they haven't even announced that NXT is moving to FS1. Like, yeah. 
we're, I would we're just do one hour of NXT, keep it as is, and then just move to a five live there too. Yeah, uh, who knows? Yeah, do you watch two hundred five live? I keep telling myself I should, but I don't. <laughs> I think um, that's, a lot of people are like that. I just it doesn't have any consequences. So like it's this show where it's like the same eighteen people wrestle each other each week, and I don't. They're all good, and I think we all acknowledge that they're all great. And I'm sure it's fantastic. And I'm sure Swerve versus um, Drew Gulak was good this week. I just I don't care. It's really hard for me to invest. Like, I'll watch the pay-per-view matches. That's when I'll, I'll care, when the title is on the line, and I'll watch those. Um, but weekly shows, it just and it's also just weird with Drake Maverick's character from different shows and all that stuff. And then Leo Rush was doing that before he got um, sent off into the Everglades, never to return again. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's it, I, I, just, I don't think I'll ever watch it. Like I, I'm surprised it's made it as long as it has. Like, I don't think I thought it was going to be around this long and it's, it's hanging on by a thread. So shout out to them and Adam Pierce for keeping that thing moving along. Um, the fiend Bray Wyatt, he accepted Finn Balor's challenge before he goes on vacation for a couple months to recharge his batteries. Well-deserved. Um, do you think this is something that works long-term? Because I think the Firefly Funhouse is great. And the best thing about Bray Wyatt is his promos, is his um, his just creative mind. And his worst thing is his wrestling. Like, he's a bad wrestler. Like, I, I don't think we enjoy Bray Wyatt matches. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he works. Because, like, if he uses Mankind's claw and he kind of turns into that kind of character, I think that suits him a lot better i think his matches will improve i think not having the sister abigail and doing something like that makes a lot more sense to me and i think it has more staying power and i think um i don't know i've gone back and forth this is something that's gonna be a bray wyatt staple for a long time and this is just his new thing is he basically mankind at mick foley anyway where he's just gonna have different characters every couple years um i don't know but do you think it's gonna work long term do you do you believe in this fiend character well, I first off, I would never call Bray Wyatt a bad wrestler. I just think his booking has always been what holds him back. It's it's a matter of we we especially in that not not necessarily with what he's doing right now, but in his last run, it was always hey, let's build him up, let's make him intimidating, let's throw him into a feud and have him hit Sister Abigail on somebody out of nowhere. But then once you get to the matches that matter, he would always come up short. That's that's the weakness to him in the ring. I would. I wouldn't call him a bad wrestler by any means. Really? I think he's atrocious, but um, I'm not Dude, you've not seen atrocious wrestling if you think Bray Wyatt is atrocious. atrocious in the modern company. Like, how many wrestlers right now signed to this company are worse than Bray Wyatt? How many? Plenty down, plenty that are clean as grass. Yes. I don't know about that. If you go through the list, you're like, oh, wait a second. He's a bottom, like, five wrestler. Mate, nah, he is, there's not, I have never seen a match where I go, wow, he sucks. That's like every match for me. And I'm like, oh, don't need to see that ever again. Like, I don't, I've never enjoyed it. I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it's a waste of time to me. Like, I, I'm not a fan. Well, agree to disagree. Um, As far as this gimmick goes, I, I dig it. I dig the hell out of it. It's, it comes down to. 
it comes to, it, it really just comes down to how far they willing to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, do they actually let him win certain rivalries or is he, he always just going to wind up on a losing ending? I think he has to. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't even win his first one when the Wyatt family first came out. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of ridiculous how this guy gets, has been handled in the past. Cause they just saw him as Teflon. You know, if he can lose all the time because he's never going to lose momentum. Well, they pushed it so far that, yeah, he did finally lose momentum to where we just didn't care. Now, there are still some questions. The first one being, like we saw this week how Wyatt, when he's in his, you know, demented Mr. Rogers version, he's still in like backstage pre segments. The thing I want to see is how does he do in that persona in the middle of a ring with a live crowd. Yeah, it's, I'm not not saying that I don't think he can't handle it. I think he absolutely can. I think it's how do crowds receive that stuff? Or does it need to be in such a controlled environment with the backdrop and the puppets and the lighting and the music and all that stuff? Or can it handle itself when it's just in the middle of the ring and he's just cutting a promo? As far as The Fiend goes, I, I dig the hell out of the look. I think if the mandible claw is his submission finish, it's perfect. Um, it, it's like a, it's it's like if you gave a horror mo- movie character a wrestling finisher, the mandible claw kind of works because it's such a it's such a visceral looking movie. It looks like it hurts like hell. And when mankind was doing it in WWE, it was about oh he pulled the sock out of his groin. Where's that thing been? Oh he's putting it in somebody's mouth. Isn't that so gross? Now it's oh this guy's literally just trying to break somebody's jaw. That's horrifying. This dude's a straight up Jason Voorhees character. Like it, it fits. It fits what they are trying to do with that side of his persona. I'm still waiting to see a how is it booked legitimately and not just now, but how are we talking about this guy in January of next year? And B, how does the whole package look on live television? That's what I'm still waiting. And yeah. that could, they could still kind of drip feed that out for a little bit. We'll see. I I think this is the the best position he's been in in a long time. And I and he's also still super young. Like it's amazing how young he was when he first arrived on the scene because i don't even think he's 30 yet is he like 28 29 oh i can let me pull it up real quick. He's one of the younger guys which is still pretty baffling to me well he's a dad now so 30, he's yes. 32 32 so okay. he wasn't he wasn't his mid to late 20s when he first showed up but yeah okay um which is still pretty young he's like 16 years away from being old enough to be the nxt champion so <laughs> shout out to him um Ziggler, HBK, um, Brandon Stroud of Uprox had a really good um, piece about SmackDown best and worst this week. And one of the things he talked about was um, Shawn Michaels. He's great. But the problem when you insert him into storylines outside of the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 31 is that fans immediately want to see Shawn Michaels wrestle. And if he's never going to wrestle again, it just hurts the feud in general because it takes the focus off those two guys. And it's no longer like no one wants to see Triple H actually wrestle. They would, they're like, oh, if Shawn Michaels is here, let's just see Shawn Michaels. And that's not what happens. Like Shawn Michaels is retired. Uh, shout out to those Saudi paydays, though. Um, 
he does this and him taking the super kick from Ziggler this week. I thought they were actually, this was a really good promo. I thought the Miz was very good. Here's Babyface. Um, we already have seen this kind of heated Miz Ziggler stuff from a couple years ago. So we've already been down this road. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, would you be down with a Ziggler Shawn Michaels thing? Do you think they would really do it at SummerSlam? Do you think that Shawn would get in the ring with Ziggler and, do this because i don't know like a lot of the fantasy booking like the aj style stuff and everything else i never really bought and also like ziggler being the kind of wrestler that he is and just so good at selling i think would be able to get a lot out of sean even at his age and make him look like a million bucks um which i think sean would appreciate um i would want this but i also understand why certain fans are like the the moment has passed kind of like the sting uh, undertaker stuff from years ago where like we just it's been too many years we thought about it and like we've always i think thought that he's just kind of a poor man's hbk in a lot of ways but at the same time that's like classic wrestling like poor man's hbk like the feud would get heated it'd be great just a good blood feud um hbk could talk about like i won the big one you never did blah blah, blah. um would you be down for that kind of program? Or do you think that this was all still leading to like the Miz versus Ziggler at SummerSlam? Yeah, that's the thing is you, you never really know what their thought process is behind bringing out Sean when he doesn't have any intention of actually wrestling. It, it goes all the way back to when we thought there for a hot second that he was going to come out of retirement to fight Daniel Bryan during mm-hmm. the authority storyline. Like yes. it just, it felt like a weird tangent that, while cool, and every time he broke out the super kick, it was awesome. It, it was kind of like, oh, you're you're just setting us up to let us down. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, he did just come out of retirement. He he broke the seal. Even if he'll say, oh, it was a cheat day. It wasn't really the showstopper coming back. He showed he has the capacity to come back. Even if he was, he said it outright, he was embarrassed by the result. Mm-hmm. If it was just a segment and this leads to Dolph and Miz, okay. You know, it, you're, you're not, you're not going to get me excited about Dolph Ziggler in any capacity in 2019. I'm sorry. You're yeah. just not. So well, there is one way and it, it'll never happen. The only way you could get me excited about Dolph Ziggler in 2019 is him competing in the G1 Climax. <laughs> like him in NJPW, I would actually, I, I, he would be so much fun if he just did a couple years there. Well, if, if Kenta and John Moxley are an indication, he'd be amazing. Yes. But that's, uh, like you said, not going to happen. No. So, yeah, you know, it's, Sean's out there to generate hype and that hype hype in their eyes is going to be transferred to someone else or something else. I could easily see it next week where Miz is like, how dare you put your hands on Shawn Michaels? I'm going to fight you now. Yeah. And you know, that's not, it's not, that's not terrible. Like, like you said, they've done this before. They did it about two years ago and it was good then, but they were kind of on the opposite sides of the spectrum at the time. So yeah, I, 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 don't think it happens. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I don't think it amounts to much between Dolph and Miz, unless this is somehow how we write Dolph off of television again. 
do you even have to write him off? Like, he can just disappear at this point. Like, I don't think he's, like, someone you actually have to put a lot of effort in. Like, people just know he's there sometimes, then he's gone, and then uh, that's it. No one, it's no one's like, emotionally invested in the Dolph Ziggler character in the WWE. Yeah, not, not particularly. Uh, to their credit, when he first came back and was doing the stuff with Kofi, it at least made sense. Mm-hmm. It was another... It was another mid Carter going to a perennial mid Carter and saying, you got the opportunity I was dreaming of. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, now I'm really mad at you. This is a good segue, but sure. This is a good segue into Kofi and Randy Orton, where Randy Orton talked about, um, they kind of broke the fourth wall a little bit in that Randy Orton admitted to keeping Kofi down cause he wasn't ready. And then he's like, you're still not ready. Um, Kofi talked about that great MSG moment from years ago. This was something we were pitching in fantasy booking months ago. And we were like, oh, I guess it's just not going to happen. Because that's what I thought the WrestleMania match should have been was uh, Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston. Just because I think there was, you could have done some amazing video packages with these two. And they're going to do it for SummerSlam. So the next best thing, and I think we all enjoy SummerSlam more than WrestleMania anyway. So that's, that's cool. Um, I'm excited about this feud i think they've done a really good job solidifying kofi kingston as no longer a mid-card guy he gets a lot of wins a lot of televised wins he's treated as a top guy now he is cemented there so once he loses the belt i don't think he'll fall back into that zone but um i think it's fascinating because i could also see them putting the belt on orton at SummerSlam, and i think this is going to be genuinely interesting to see which way they go and how this feud progresses because i think there's a lot of meat on this bone and i think the storyline is enough where fans will really get invested and this is like randy orton's bread and butter where it's like i am going to say as little as possible i don't believe in you you're not on my level i'm going to sneak attack you i'm going to um make your life living hell like you challenging me was dumb as like just extremely stupid and i'm going to take your title now I, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I, I dig the hell out of it. If you've been listening to Between the Ropes at all, you know that I have been campaigning for this match for months just because it, it's the story from Kofi Kingston's past that I feel like needed to have the final chapter on. Um, apologies right now. The head trimmer has uh, arrived at my front door. So. <laughs> it's all good. Sorry, I'm sorry if that's coming through on the audio, but... No, I, I'm a huge fan of this because it was a story that was always just kind of left dangling where did did Randy really go backstage and be like, oh, he screwed up this spot, shouldn't shouldn't be pushing him. And then Co- that's why Kofi got left in, the, in mid-card hell for years at a time. Um, whether it was true or whether it was just, my, just wild speculation that they wanted to pick up on and make part of the story. I think you got to ask both guys and see what really happened. But I love that they are bringing history into this because that's something about WWE product that always bugs me is that the one advantage they are always going to have over any company is that they have history. They have, you know, decades of history essentially to work off of, of their own product, but they always act like, this is the first time ever for something. 
and that it's never happened before and that we shouldn't talk about it if it's happened before. Prime example would be, if you remember, leading up to WrestleMania 34 between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, the amount of times that it was brought up that the two had fought at a WrestleMania before was exactly one, and it was <laughs> two minutes before the match started. And it was never brought up before, and I will bet you that they don't bring up all of the history between Seth and Brock. Not just, oh, I cashed in on you, but that Brock tried to get the title back and failed, that Brock has, struck, Brock has struggled with other guys from the Shield. Hey, hey, Roman was able to beat you at SummerSlam. I can do it too. Like they, they'll, they've, they've kind of hinted at at least they, at least the cash in. They've at least referenced that, but they're hesitant on so much else. This is the perfect example of that. It's taking something that happened ten years ago, and all it took was a clip up on the screen to remind people what was going on. To remind people what had happened and why it was playing into the story now. And honestly, once all I want to see is Kofi just kick Randy's head off, pin him, and it, it could put a wonderful cap on this title reign. And then at that, whatever they do from that point, I'm kind of like, hey, you know, great with Kofi being champion. If they got to move on to somebody else, so be it. I got what I wanted out of this, which is catharsis. Do you think that's what they ultimately do, though? Or do you think Fox and Bischoff want Randy Orton as the champion going in? I don't, I don't think they see Randy Orton as enough of a needle mover okay. because nobody's a needle mover right now. Mm-hmm. So they don't need to go, oh, it has to be on somebody like Randy. Otherwise, no one's going to watch. No, people aren't watching now no matter who it is. People like Kofi. Like yep. the you know the crowd may not show it, but the reaction certainly does, and it's that people love the hell out of what Kofi's doing and what the New Day are doing. I don't think if you just suddenly put it on Randy, who's you know kind who half of his gimmick now feels like he's just coasting. I don't think he actually is coasting. I think it's just the way he is supposed to come off on television, like he's above all of this. Kind of like Brock Lesnar. Well, kind of, yeah, but more of they're both kind of aloof. Right. Where they're just like, hey, I'm 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 here, I'm getting paid, I'll I'll hit a guy with my finisher, you know, it's whatever. I I think that's what they're gonna do. I think their plan is to reset and do Lesnar and Orton as the top guys for a while. I if I had to guess, that's where they're heading. I mean, but they've done they Randy's barely on television as it is. I know. And not not out of like Oh, it's Brock just not caring and not wanting to be on television. It's just that he has a lighter schedule. And I'm that he I agree a- with it. I just it seems very WWE to do this now when they're resetting. They've done this a lot. I think they'd be more inclined to look at I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're two weeks out from SummerSlam and Roman Reigns doesn't have a program. Much less a, a match. Is, oh, it's like you're reading my show sheet because I have Roman Reigns right under this. Um, he's floating. I don't really know. It's kind of like John Cena the last couple of years where it's like he'll just kind of be around a little bit. And you know, he's like the top guy and he's like on the outside looking in. and He'd be inserted into the top feud whenever you want him to. But he doesn't really have 
anything going on. He has the Shane stuff, but that's Kevin Owens' baby now. So it's like he's, I, I it's it's weird. I don't think they know what to do with Roman Reigns right now. I think that they are slowly building him back up because even they recognize that if they had just thrown him back into the title picture right after his return, that all of the goodwill he had built up would have kind of disappeared pretty quickly. And they're recognizing that, okay, we're, we're going a different direction with Seth. Let's at least play it out. And then we can we can reestablish Roman wherever we want to, whether it's on SmackDown or Raw in their respective title picture. Because the other thing you got to keep in mind is they can't just have him walk up and go beat Kofi for the title. Because whoever beats Kofi for the title gets this incredible amount of heat because everybody loves Kofi. Right. So that, you know, who whoever knocks him off is going to be like, you're the guy, you're the, the jerk that, you know, caused the first African-born champion to lose his title. Screw you, pal. And if it's Roman, it's like, oh, well, really screw you, pal. Right. That's probably part of the reason that they've avoided those two interacting and stuff like that. That's that's probably it. So I think I think they're just, uh, you know, whereas before it felt like the the timing was all off. I think they're actually biding their time with this thing. And now I just thought about like Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton for the title over the fall. Like that's their main program. See, That's why I don't think you have to worry because I think Kofi's going to keep the title for a while. Mm. I I do not think they just they just lob it back onto Orton. I think this is they they had this rivalry sitting in their back pocket where they're like, okay, we need to give Kofi a big match and a big win. Who better than Randy? Who I mean, there's his stock is you know deadlocked in right now. It can't go up and it really can't go down because he always just be Randy Orton. He just has to run out and hit someone with an RKO and everybody pops or everybody starts booing. He'll 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 always be fine. But with Kofi, you still you're, they're still trying to be like, hey, this guy is a main event talent. We just need to keep proving it. Yeah. So I, I do not think it's the end of the world when it comes to Roman or Kofi. I guess we will have to see. Um, last thing, and then we'll wrap up here. Do you think the OC needs more members? <laughs> Because I think they, I think the, they need to be recruiting every week. That should be part of like their shtick is just like going through the locker room trying to get people to join them. Because I think their interactions and their natural chemistry is just built for this kind of stuff. I think that's how I would use them for the foreseeable future. Because they're kind of trapped. Like AJ can't win the belt. Like that's on Brock for a while. He can't chase after that. And I think to build him back up is... I think you got to put the raw titles, tag titles on Gallows and Anderson. I think you have to give them some credibility there. Um, and that'd be a good rub. Revival versus Gallows and Anderson at SummerSlam. I think that would be, um, that'd be a good way to go. Uh, I don't know if they will, but um, yeah, I think they need to be recruiting. I think three is not enough. And I think it needs to be like this cool club that just keeps expanding. Well, the first thing they need to do is change their name every week to an old Fox series. Mm-hmm. So next week it can be Futurama. The week after that it can be Firefly. You know, they've got so many options. To, it'll be The Tick in a couple of weeks. Like They've got so many options to go with because that name is dumb. Yes. And I will just say, I mean, it's 
it's uh, it's it, it's got a nice little tagline to it, but I'm amazed that nobody looked around and said, "Hey, this is a uh, this is the same name as that that pseudo reality show Fox did years ago." Like, why are we uh, why are we doing this? But anyway, as far as members go, I have always had an issue with trios in that, with the exception of the Shield, they're always booked poorly. Mm-hmm. In that. When you have a trio, you've got the leader, and then you've immediately established that the other two guys are disposable. And it's already kind of come to pass with the club where, oh, you can easily dispatch of Gallows and Anderson, but but if they're distractions, then that helps AJ win things. But they're not going to win things because they're the other two guys in the trio. They're just here to be the heaters for the main guy. But once you develop it as, uh, you know, four people or five people, well, then suddenly the dynamic changes to where you might have a leader, but you've also got to do something with the other guys. And it can't just be throwing them into tag team matches where they always lose. So, yes, I'm all for the idea of there being more members of the club. And the member that everybody wants is a certain guy who's going away for two months in Finn Balor and maybe Balor, but dude, so many people do so many people Mm -hmm. want that. The, you know, they want the full bullet club to actually be a group and they teased it and they just haven't pulled the trigger on it. And the question we keep asking ourselves is why? Well, now he's going away. Well, even before that, it was what, what, what was the hesitation? And it was because Finn was just such a white meat baby face that the idea of turning of having him join a heel faction was just like, oh, we, we can't do that. He he's got to sell his T-shirts. He's got He's got to put the, the paint on every couple months. Like, but honestly, with the way he's been treated the last few months, I hope when he comes back, they they do something with him and it's putting him in the O.C., making him the fourth member. And the, the way, one of the ways they can build up to that is like you said, them going week to week and being like, we need the fourth member of this group and they'll go through people. And each week they'll be like, you're the new member. Wait, no, you're not. And they beat them up. And then it's finally, who's the fourth member. And the lights go out and they come back and it's Finn Balor. And everyone's like, Oh my God. And, then it then it's something then something interesting gets to happen. But until then, uh, I doubt that they actually add any new members. I hope it's just Finn. And if it's anybody else, you kind of have to explain. Wait, why are we doing this with the guy who never was working in Japan? Well, you don't have to explain the Japan stuff. I don't think any of that. I don't. But think that's the way that they were always connected. Was I mean? I don't think the main. I don't think the WWE audience knows that though, because they oh, never really they've explained said it. as much. Have they? All they really say is Japan and like they work from together there, overseas. Like they the, know if you brought in Cesaro because Cesaro is my no. pick. Like that's he has nothing to do. I'm not really sure what his character is. I think he'd actually be great with them. It would establish his, his character is he's a bad guy in a John Wick movie. Right. And Alistair Black is, is John Wick. So you put him in. That's, the, that's the club. how that rivalry extreme rules went. And it works. And you give him. I, I just think he was so good with the bar and I think he's good. Um, like in just if we got tag team wrestling with him and AJ Styles 
for a couple of months. Like there's just a lot you could do with Cesaro in the club. And that would be my pick. Um, I would just target guys who are floating like Robert Rude, my guy. It's time to time to do something like we need to. I think that I think that mustachioed ship has sailed. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's an opportunity to do some uh, character resuscitation with certain guys where it's like put them around the club and AJ and see if fans start looking at them a little bit differently. But also stables are cool. There is like professional wrestling is built around stables. Stables are great. Stables are just a naturally easy, cool thing that fans like. They just like stables. They like thinking about who could get added, um, what it could be, what it could do. And the club is just an easy way of expanding and turning raw into this really cool thing where it's like, Oh, who's going to join or who's going to leave. And I understand people are like having aces and eights flashbacks with AJ and all that kind of stuff. But, um, people were still invested in like, wondering what was going on there and the big reveal i mean even after everything people were still psyched at the bully ray reveal like and that was great for bully ray like it changed his whole career trajectory how people saw him um everything changed and at at the same time though i don't think if you say the words aj styles and faction i don't think aces and eights is the first thing that pops up i guess because i remember that era so well that that's what i think of or fortune like those are the two things i think of do you think of bullet club no, that's oh, that's what so many people would say. I know. I don't know if that makes me weird, but I don't think Bullet Club with AJ. I think oh, dude, dude, and, uh, dude, let it longer than Finn did. I know. I, yeah. I don't know, but this is not how I remember it. I think it's because I didn't watch it as much, and it's not like you're on screen every week. And I remember emo AJ very well in his new his song and all. The, I remember all of that very very clearly. So I think that's. I've part tried of to too. forget all of that, to be honest with you, okay. deliberately. I understand. All right. Well, I guess we can leave it here. Connor, thank you so much for making the time early on a Saturday. Is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Yes, I would. Um, you can check out all of my uh, wrestling coverage over at comicbook.com's WWE page. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Casey underscore CB. I just broke a thousand followers. Very excited about that. So help me keep building that number up. And as far as podcasting goes, I am on air every week with Brian Fritz on Wednesdays over at Between the Ropes. You can find us wherever iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Overcast, all the good stuff. Check it out, Between the Ropes. We usually go for about 90 minutes, good conversation across the board about all different kinds of wrestling. And uh, we always have a good time with that one. So uh, give that one a listen if you can. All right. Sounds great. Connor, thank you. Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, google play or wherever else you get your podcasts uh, be sure to check out chasetomuspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writings i'm writing there fairly often and also follow me on twitter at chase underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon thanks guys oh uh, yeah 
Ay, I done learned so many lessons, God be testing, but he bless me, can't be stuck in my ways, gotta find a way, no time to play, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I done learned so many lessons, God be testing, but he bless me, can't be stuck in my ways, gotta find a way, no time to play, mama ain't raised no fool, but she followed through when I broke them rules, teaching myself the game, ain't come with game, ain't through the rain, yeah, I done learned so many lessons, God be testing, but he Bless me, can't be stuck in my ways. Gotta find a way, no time to play. Mama ain't raised no fool, but she followed through when I broke them rules. Teaching myself the game. Ain't come with game, ain't through the rain. Yeah. Different type of time we on, I'm in my zone. Please don't call my phone. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.